If you're an average player, you want to be left alone, right? Because you want to be able to slide by. If you're a good player, you want to be coached. If you're a great player, you want the coach to tell you the truth every day. Did I hustle on that play? Did I make the right read? Did I play the guy with the right leverage? You want to know every play. Because you know why? They want to be perfect. Everybody here makes a choice to do one of those three things. Welcome to the GOAT Consulting Podcast, a podcast dedicated to people striving to be a GOAT, the greatest of all time, serving it up in a way that you can get it in all stages of life. Hey, I'm Colby Jubinville. Welcome to another episode of the GOAT Consulting Podcast right here at VC Productions in studio in Nashville, Tennessee. We're excited today. We're going to continue our conversation with our good friend and friend of the show, my good friend and friend of the show, Jeremy Qualls. Why is it going to be your good friend? Well, thanks because, for sharing your friend. Because with us. no, I, I no, he is my good friend, and it's in, in the, the studio. I would like to he, think that we're all friends now. He is he in is. the bosom. He's in the bosom. He's in the, the bosom family. of the show. And my, one of my other good friends on the right, the founder of the Goat Family of Brands, Tyler Burnett, who came up in in Goat Mobile One. <laughs> Can do work on the way there and back. Doesn't matter how much traffic you throw at us, Nashville, windy. Tennessee. It is windy today on the in with this the runner. with the believe with the believe which Georgia had to do this year to to win the national championship. The LinkedIn whisperer, the calming force to the show, my good friend and yours, John Byers. John, thank you so much for being here today and always being prepared. And to the left, my far left, my good friend and uh, and somebody that that I have tremendous respect for. Mm. Um, the way you serve it up and the way that other people can get it is amazing. That's one of the core tenets to our show is Jeremy Qualls. Jeremy is the uh, CEO, founder, executive director of the Entrepreneur and Innovation Center right here in Williamson County, Tennessee. And you got big plans for the future. you got big plans for the future, and we're going to talk about that. But before we do that, um, you're somebody that's in education, so here's what we believe. In our 20s, they teach us to get in the game. In our 30s, they teach us to move up in the game. In our 40s, we try to stay in the game because those 30-year-olds are so damn good. In our 50s, we say, what is it that we really want? At the uh, EIC, you're trying to get people to say in their teens, what is it that I really want? And we love that you're doing that today. He's condensing the time frame. All the way down to the, where it should be, which is starting in your teens. Actually, we're going to go even further back. We're going to go from kindergarten to startup, oh, right? That is correct. <laughs> we are getting into the roots of the situation. And, and you are a goat. You're a goat for Williamson County. Uh, you're a goat for in, in the things that you do. Uh, yes. A goat is easy to see in sports. It's someone that's recognized for their greatness. What they do elevates those around them. Uh, but in business, it's people that compete on unique perspective, education, and experience. What they do gives them energy, gives other people energy, creates new levels of challenge and new levels of opportunity. And we're excited to be with you today uh, here in studio with Jeremy Qualls. Jeremy, this is part two of America's Got Talent, and uh, you're someone that's spent a career identifying talent and developing talent through connection. And uh, your stops along the way now move you into administration where um, where you're working at the middle school and, and elementary school and level administration. And if you really want to go and challenge yourself and see what kind of person you can be in identifying talent, go step into uh, Middle Tennessee and and step into um, a middle and elementary school. So I know you've got some, some thoughts there around some great, really, stories that help explain change. And so there's some defining moments that happen for you um, during that time of your career that led to the next steps. Walk us through some of those. So my wife sat me down at the table. This is at the conclusion of that season we were speaking of in yeah. the last episode. And she, um, I, I had become a good relational coach, I believe, with the team, right? Yeah. I had done the things that are necessary to make those 
those fellows young men to see the world and be better people, be better men, be better fathers, etc. However, I think I missed the memo to myself. We had just had our first child. She's out of Middle Tennessee, away from her family. Uh, she's in an area that she didn't necessarily was uncomfortable with, but it was new, and she's not one that, that goes out and just fosters relationships right off the bat like us. You know, you could drop us out of a plane, and we'll find somebody we know within five minutes. So she sat me down at the table, and she's like, uh, I'm not real happy. I said, what do you mean? Of course, I'm on cloud nine. I'm thinking we're winning. Things are going well. She's like, I want to go back home. And at that moment was a, was a life choice, a personality choice, of, a, a personal choice of I had missed the boat of not being a great father and a husband because I was so I was raising other people's kids. Yeah. And you're chasing those W's, you're chasing those relationships, and, and it's a young man. And it, it's really, it's not a single man's game, but it, 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 you can see why a lot, of, a lot of people in that realm that, that want to be successful have to do that. And I'm old enough and mature enough now that if I jumped back in the coaching game, I know how to do it. At that point in time, I still was learning, right? And I was not a good – I was still learning that for sure. Well, I'm still learning every day too, but I'm just saying the point of you've got to balance. You've got to go home. You've got to be a husband. You've got to be a father. You've got to be in tune with what's going on. And I wasn't. Yeah. And it took my wife to sit down and realize she's going to go back to Middle Tennessee whether I'm going to go with her or not. <laughs> and I was like, that ain't going to happen. I love her too much. Yeah. And, it, and it took that moment. That's why we're such a great team. I love my wife. and I mean, she's competitive as, as nails. But she, it took her sitting down and saying that for me to realize, okay, let's do what we got to do. So I jumped out of the athletic world into the administration world, which is uh, a definite different type of energy and a different chase, right? I mean, it's not – you're not chasing W's. So I, I took uh, – um, I, I went in and resigned. They didn't – you know, they were like, no way, you can't do that. How about you become assistant principal and athletic director and – I took that, right? So we made it through the summer for a little bit until we can kind of figure out what we're going to do in the Middle Tennessee realm. And then in the meantime, I took a an elementary assistant job as well because there is no, you know, there are no extracurricular activities. So that gets me home earlier to be a better dad and a better father. And it was absolutely the worst year of my career. Mm. I mean, some people are suited for elementary, some people aren't. I'm definitely in that latter category. So you then enter the opportunity to get back home, Middle Tennessee. And there was a middle school job opening in Hickman County. They called me, and um, I went over and uh, graciously interviewed and went through the process and then got the job. And he goes, the superintendent goes into the faculty at the time and introduces me and says, well, this is, you know, we had some great candidates, and here's who you got. I was like, thanks for that setup, buddy. <laughs> we had some great candidates. This is one of them. Here you go. I, you know, but I needed that, right? If he'd come in with all the pomp and circumstance and rolled out the red carpet, it had been one thing, but he Far said that he made a mistake and he didn't know it. That motivated me. I was yeah. like, oh, okay. All right. So obviously I, you think I can't do this. So I go into this job. I'm the youngest in the building. Yeah. And um, it's pretty interesting dynamics if you start to think about it. I had five teachers in there that had me as a student. So there's one dynamic. I'm the youngest in the building. And we're serving a student body of about 420 students, and they're 85% for introduced lunch. So you start thinking about this. We don't have we, we, we don't have anything, right? These kids are coming to us from rural rural areas. We've got kids coming to us that uh, that that lived in a pallet home. 
this is I'm not making this up. I'm not embellishing this at all because I think this is important to the story of where we got. Remember me telling you a story about going from one job to the other and what happened? All of a sudden, I, I felt entitled and I, I completely mm-hmm. forgot. So once I got this job, just like always, what happens? Kind of felt like I've arrived, right? I've got the job. I'm the principal, blah, blah, blah. So we go down this route. And the first thing we decided to do is, is to fix um, discipline. There was a 1,000 referrals the year before I took the job. A 1,000 referrals for 400 kids. Right, and just now a referral is a is like a, a write up. up. Right, okay. right. You've been. I should be very familiar with right. those, but yeah, you right. Know, just to be oh, clear, right. So there's a thousand referrals, for, and I was like, something's off here. What's what's going on? So I start digging through the referrals, and I'm seeing, you know, you didn't have your pencil, you didn't have all this ridiculousness. So I'm like, okay, we're gonna have to separate. So we have to have some non-negotiables. So I'll go into the meeting. I was like, we're going to have some non-negotiables. Number one, whatever you do in your classroom, whether it's a pencil, paper, you're not ready, you don't bring a textbook, that is not a referral. That is a cultural problem within your bu- within your class. People are like, oh, I can't believe you'd say that. I-, I can't control that. If I don't come prepared to your classroom, that means you're missing the boat on something. Yeah. So we started defining non-negotiables. We get that set. We go into the realm. So then I thought, man, I have really done it now. I'm I'm brilliant. I'm ready to hit the circuit to speak because I've got this juggernaut figured out. Yeah. What I didn't realize was is that it, some of the old school folks tend to tend to use these, uh, regardless of non-negotiables, not they tend to use that 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 uh, rules and regs as a discipline steal and a negative way to get rid of people. Think back, Nick. Right. Mm-hmm. So I have a teacher bring a young lady up to the office. Marchers are up. She's got her jeans flayed from knee to about the hip. And we have a rule. You couldn't have holes between such and such, whatever. Right. She brings her up. We've had to give Colby that rule, too. And she looks at me, and this is a testing moment. This is a defining moment. She goes, what are you going to do about it? I put my arm around the kid. I walk in there. I say, hey, what's going on? Of course, the kid's embarrassed, crying. Trailer burnt down. Living in the back of a truck with my dad, I go get water out of a bucket out of a pond. I said, I'm so glad you're here. What do you need from me? I called in my secretary. I said, okay, let's go get her something. Go get her some food. Go get her clothes, whatever she wants. I sent her back to class. I knew as soon as the bell rang, rung what was going to happen. Here comes the teacher. Mm-hmm. I can't believe, and I stopped her mid-sentence. Probably never have talked to anybody unprofessional as I did this woman at this moment. I said, do not ever bring me another kid up here without asking why. So then it prompted me at the end of the day, once the kids left, like teachers do sometimes, they try to beat the kids out, you know, to the buses. I said, I need everybody in the front office today, please, after school. So then I commenced to preaching to them too. Do not ever send anybody until we figure out the why. So that was that moment. It could have really went bad for me, but it was a, it was a paradigm shift at that moment for me of, are you kidding me? We're sending kids up here, and we don't even know the why. Yeah. Do you think they care about doing definitions? Mm-hmm. Regurgitating what you feel is important when they're trying to draw water out of a pond? So uh, it, it spurned me to say, okay, we've got to dig deeper on this. We were on the state list. Now, you understand there's a three-year process. Three years on the state list means it's state takeover, and that means you're – on the bad list, not the good list, the bad list. I'm so I, I, list. I inherited one year of the list. So that means the second year they have a state appointed person that's in the office every day. That guy asked me the first day, he said, what's your goal? I said, for you not be here next year. 
he kind of laughed. I was like, I ain't laughing. We go from, and this is a different story. This is not a braggadocious moment, but it, it talks about the paradigm shift of the teachers. We go from 1,000 referrals. We cut it in half first year, 500. After four years, we're down to 52. We go from state list to top 15% in growth. Now, people say in this rural sector where you have no money, no luxury items, you can't show academic achievement and growth, and I completely disagree. So what's the lesson there? What's the lesson in that? I mean, I could make up several, but. It goes from me being Rick Pitino thinking I, I'm going to win a game because of my knowledge, and it had nothing to do with my knowledge. It had to, it had to be with connections and relationships with the kids. Find the why, and the rest follows. So I, for me, as I hear you say that story, it's, it's leading with an opening bit of trust, and we get more out of folks with grace than consequences. Those are two things that I got, as you shared. Yes, and you know, this was in year one. This is in six months' time now. Here I am, 30, 29, 31, 30, 31 as a, as a principal. This could have easily fallen on its face. Let's say we don't have the success academically or discipline off the front. It could have literally fallen on its face. So even after that one particular don't bring them to me until you find the why, we still didn't have believers. Yeah. And you're somebody that not, not only can impact it at a, at a global level, at a cultural level, you can impact it at an at a individual level as well. Yeah, so, I mean, it, you know, it's one of those things, everybody hated the T-cap. I said this a while ago, don't hate the player, hate the game. That was one of my go-to sayings with the teachers the minute they said, I can't, I don't want to teach to the t-. Hey, it's the game. Yeah. Don't hate the player, hate the game. We know what the game is. The game is a T-cap. So how do we succeed in that? You go get the data. I'll break it down for you. And I'm going to bring you Jeremy's results from last year or the last three years. And we're going to have conversations with Jeremy. This was a very powerful turning point for us. Instead of having a parent-teacher conference, we're going to have a student-teacher conference. Love that. We're going to reverse it, mm-hmm. and we're going to ask questions. So I printed off your report, three-year trend data from TCAP, and it showed Jeremy has either flatlined or declined. I want to know the why. In the years they had success, why? So you'd be amazed at what you find out. Mom and dad divorced. I'm living away. That's why we declined. Oh, okay, good. Let's, let's figure out how to support that kid. Why did you succeed two years ago, but you failed last year? Because I hated that teacher last year. Now, there's two kinds of teachers. Those that are going to be remembered and those that are going to be forgotten. Right. Which, one, which category are you going to fall into, right? The ones that they succeeded, they could tell you the name immediately. The ones they hated, they could tell you immediately too, right? So you have to be, you know, which one do you want to be remembered for? And and we can't be detrimental in that kid. Why did you hate that kid? Because the kid acted up. I was that kid. Right. My dad was superintendent. I was the only, there was two of us, eighth graders that didn't get to go on the eighth grade trip because of demer, uh, uh, demerits, write-ups, whatever you want to call them. Right. I was that kid. I couldn't have gotten into the EIC. Are you kidding me? And, and you're... Your approach not only impacted culturally the teachers, but in your quest to to identify talent, there's this one moment where where you're watching America's Got Talent, and you see this group called the Mountain Dew Extreme Team, and you have this thought that maybe we can use them as a vehicle to to reach people that normally cannot be. Uh, you can't find, connect to. So in order to attack the greater good, 
I selected, hand-selected, one out of each hallway, 6th, 7th, and 8th grade. Each have their own hallway. I called the 6th grade the geriatric unit. 7th grade was a black hole sun, and 8th grade was my go-getters, right? So I had to have one from <laughs> each. That's worth the whole episode on its own. Right. Yeah. I had to have one from each to make this work. And I picked up my wingman, Robin Smith, who I'll give a shout-out to because she's an incredible educator out there grinding away every day. I sold this thing to her, and she was all in. So we started figuring out how do we get on this granular level? Well, enter Alex, right? Alex is like another Nick. Alex is sitting in the back, hair over his eyes, wearing a little beanie all day. Could not get a conversation out of Alex ever. His his test scores had flatlined. So Robin's like, I got him. It's, he's mine. He's my project. I said, let's figure out a way to approach this. So I'm starting to have conversations with him. We have this positive behavior system where if you don't get referrals, you get to go to this crazy event, whatever. I'm sitting at home, and I know I've had a conversation with him, and I know he loves skateboarding, and he loves all the cool stuff like that, right? So I'm sitting at home, and I'm watching Simon Cowell, America's Got Talent, enter in this group called the Mountain Dew Extreme Team. And it's a, it's a group that travels, and they put this half pipe up, and they're riding their bikes and their skateboards. It was the coolest thing ever. And they make it throughout the show, and I'm watching them, and the day they get eliminated, it hit me between the eyes. That's Alex. That's Alex. I called Robin to me. I said, I got this idea. She's like, there's no way they're going to come. I was like, I don't care. If they tell me no, I'll find somebody else. Found and dug on the Internet. And this, is, this is not like an easy Google search at this point in time in my career. This is back before a Google search was really easy, right? Finally get a number. There is no really emailing a whole lot. Call them. Didn't think anybody would answer picked up. I said, hey, man, my name's Jeremy Qualls. I'm in Middle Tennessee. How much does it cost for you guys to come do an assembly for us? I said, I've got a kid in mind. I said, you're going to you're gonna change a life. You don't even know it. He's like, you're in business. We're going to be in Memphis doing a halftime show in NBA for the Grizzlies. We'll be coming through there. 1200 bucks. I was like, done. Jeez. Didn't even have 1200 bucks. Yeah. But I said, I'll find it. So I started peddling some folks. We got 1200 bucks. They show up. Now, Alex cannot go to this. He's already gotten his referral, whatever. He cannot go. I told all the teachers that stayed back, that left the bag kids back. I said, keep the doors open. We're going to keep the doors open to the gym. People are going absolutely bonkers. I mean, you can hear it all the way through the building, right? They're screaming. They got the microphones. Mountain Dew Extreme Team. Yeah. So I walk by and I see Alex. I said, come here, man. So we walk down there. We stand at the door. I said, I want you to see this. They come through there, and that guy does a backflip, does all this stuff. And he tries to act cool, but he's like, you can see for the first time something happened. And I put my arm around him. I said, I don't want you to ever miss another one. I took him back. Never missed another one. Mm. Went into the military, got married. I think he's working in a mechanic shop doing a productive citizen, right? He's got even a further story. I didn't figure out his why. His why... It's interesting. I, I used to see him on the road, and he was going to he was walking to the grocery store every day. He lived about a mile and a half from the grocery store, and I'd see him on the side of the road every time. I was like, "What's going on?" He had a twenty some odd brother uh, that lived at home that never left, didn't have a job, pretty much worthless. His mother was morbidly obese. I'm talking could ne never left the ho house. And matter of fact, I think she passed away in the house. Jeez. And you want to figure out why? You want to figure out why kids won't talk? You want to figure out why they're mad? Why, what, what is homework to me? I'm going home to this. I, I 
am in eighth grade and I'm having to go get the groceries. Why should I have to go do that? So when you start going into that granular level and you figure out the why of these kids and have a relationship with these kids and you show them that there's more to more to life than what they're potentially in and that people care about them. Uh, so that kind of spurred some things. So then, you know, that was the whole butcher paper exercise. Yeah. God. I mean, I wrote down these three practicals. I shared them earlier uh, a little bit. But define your non-negotiables, figure out the why, and grace over consequences. And, and one of the things that the themes that I keep hearing in your stories is how you have helped expose and normalize self-doubt. And I don't know how that may play into even the role that you fill today with the EIC, but, but I think with your compassion, with your curiosity, you've been able to figure out how to leverage self-doubt to guide these kids to greater clarity of purpose. And maybe that's what helps help us make decisions, uh, you know, and, and helps put them in a position to, to be citizens or whatever you called called it just a moment ago. I mean, productive citizens, right? I mean, that that's what you're – I mean, that's fa- – is there is there greater work in life than doing that? Our job in the education field, it, it's a non-negotiable right for me, is, is to create an exit ramp for every kid, period. That's beautiful. Regardless – of the level of the exit ramp. That's beautiful. That, and that's if you're not exactly, doing that. That's exactly what needs to If happen. you're not doing that, honestly, you need to be fired. To so, create an exit ramp for every kid. And you, every story mm-hmm. that, that you've followed through with all the way to the end is an exit ramp for that kid. He's a mechanic. Hey. He was in the military. He's a productive citizen. If we didn't and, provide, and I don't want to be too presumptuous and, and, and arrogant to say that we provided that for him, but if we didn't make that connection, there's a great chance that that kid never finishes high school. What did you text me? You texted me last night that, you know, after we talked for, for what seemed like uh, 10 minutes, but was probably about an hour and a half. But you said. Um, As you're pulling that up, I'm yeah. going to I'm gonna revisit this. I wrote it down early in the, the conversation. The only reason I came to school. Yeah. The only reason I came to school. Yeah. We're having this conversation, yeah. and he says, when you get to that moment where the kid says to you, this is the only reason I come to school, that's what you need to exponentially grow. You've, you've found what motivates them. No. Because you can't – I'm, I'm – this is I've, probably worth the whole episode, but can we really, truly motivate people? I don't think so. But we can find what motivates them intrinsically. I think, and that's what that's what that points out, right? I think that what he does is identify their talent. Yeah. I mean, if the kid says to you, "This is the only reason I come here," forget everything else. Well, I want to call Tyler out, right? Because he's over here not doing. It. <laughs> Honestly, you're the youngest. I think the youngest in the crew right here. Right. What yeah. was your why? Right. What was your exit for rate? going to school? Any of it? Yeah. Sports. So, so that, that's why athletics is so powerful, right? I, I say that all the time. Educators that are non-athletic get so mad. I'm like, dude, athletics is the most powerful emotional tool that educators can use. And most people tend to look at it negatively. That Let's say that AP English teacher, yeah. if they would use it to their advantage, they would succeed. Yeah, I was there because I had to be there to compete. Right. Me too. It sure would. I, I can't remember a single thing I, I, I honestly learned. <clears throat> so that school. makes me think even more like what, what does people dream about, right? So some people say they want to be firefighters. Some people they say they want to be the president and all the different things. You know, a lot of young kids say I want to be in the major leagues. I want to so, be NFL player. I want to. 
that's just that's just part of the that's one of the steps that's in the way. And I might point out that maybe we talked about this on this identity episode recently that we put out, right? But maybe it was not so much of sports, but the competition that really made up who you are. Because today, that's what you still do, right? Hundred percent. So, oh, I, but there, there's so much more to it than that. I, I, the competition stuff doesn't mean any, anything to me. I, I, but I, that's the part of his identity that he that he loved about a piece of what he I, loved about sports. What, but well, what tame, he, what he tame re- and competition. Yeah, yeah what yeah. he really loves is getting a group of people coming up with this idea and saying, "We're going to all do this together." And being Florida's quarterback. That's right. Punter. <laughs> so punter. He, no, no. But, but you get to go back and listen to the episode. That was the funny part about the joke is that. Yes, true. Never mind. Just right. So, okay. The funny so part of the what, joke what is a, Florida. One of the ways that we honor our guests is we have this segment that we, we pull from uh, a goat, uh, Jerry Maguire. And at the beginning of the movie, he writes this mission statement. It's not a memo. Is, is a defining moment for him. And now you can actually read that mission statement. Yeah, I sure uh, It's it. online, thanks to Colby. I, I was able to uh, unpack that a bit. But it's called The Things We Think and Do Not Say. And so we'd like to kind of lean into this moment with you. And you've got an incredible moment. Yeah, go for that, it. That I think really, I think really uh, illustrates not only the kind of person you are, but the kind of leader you're willing to be. What Jim Collins talks about is this strange paradox of humility and will. And I think that this moment really typifies that idea. You know, I think about this, and I, and I, I, I go back and look, or reflect upon, rather, and I'm thinking, if I did that today, <laughs> I don't know how that would be received. It I've was, thought that several times if you, as you have shared school, <laughs> school moments here. Yeah, that's cool, but that's so it. 1990s. <laughs> uh, anyway, um... I'm sitting at my desk. I'm thinking, okay, what are we missing? What are we missing? Because I was constantly writing stuff down. Missing something. We're missing something. What? 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 And then it hit me when we started doing the reverse student-teacher student yeah. or teacher-student rather. Right. Right. Uh, Student-teacher uh, interviews. So I was like, you know, the why? Why would that kid want to talk to me? Why would you? You know, if I ask you right now, your favorite coach or favorite teacher, it's instantaneous. Yeah. You know exactly. You can see their face. You can hear their voice. Boom. Repeat their voice. Yeah. So, so yeah. So I, I go into the old handy dandy teacher workroom where they've got these massive rolls of paper that you always see. I mean, and it's, the so, machine. it's so stereo, yeah, stereotypical, right? The old green machine where you get ink all over your hand and stuff. So I roll that thing down to the cafeteria. And of course, you got your long tables, and I take that paper and I'm running to the other end. I cut it. I go to the next one, roll it out, cut it. I do three, six, seven, and eight, right? So I go through the eighth grade, and, I, and I, I put the teacher's last name, underline, go about five feet. Teacher's name, underline. Teacher's name, underline. So I went to the first class, and I go back to my go-to person. I open the door, and she's, she called. She said I was Kramer. She, every time I come in, <laughs> I come in like Kramer. And I said, I got this idea, and she'd just stop what she's doing. She'd put the chalk down or put the dry erase down and go go for it. And I love her for that always. And, That's and, great. And, and because we had that trust, right? So I said, hey, go go, uh, go get you a Coke. I got your kids for a minute. So I take all of her kids. I get up. We go down to the cafeteria. I hand them all. I said, everybody bring a, a pen or a, a, a pencil. I get them in there. I say, all right, here's the drill. I've got all the eighth grade teachers' names. Matter of fact, I got every teacher in the school's name on this piece of paper. And I want you to go write your name under one teacher that you could close the door and spill your guts to, and you feel very confident wow. that they will help you do whatever's necessary to succeed. 
go. So here they go. I go to the next class. I go to the next class. I go to the next class. Like, you know, everybody's like, what are you? Teachers are wanting to know what to do. So I honestly, at this point, am trying to expose one or two to get them in the boat, right? And it was one of those deals that this could have failed. I could have wadded up, threw it away, whatever. But the, the trend was exactly in line with my hypothesis. We had a couple guys in there that just didn't want to subscribe to the theory, right? And they just thought that by being in their own domain and closing the door, that makes them all powerful, and the kid ought to just do whatever they say. So I start looking at the trends before I even bring the teachers in. Of course, the woman I kept saying, my wingman, Robin, she's got a mile-long list. But the person that I was speaking of had maybe two names. So you've got... Long list, no names, long list, medium list. So I bring the teachers now. I start cutting them up. I said, I need everybody. Uh, I, I did this quite frequently. Even though we didn't have set uh, uh, meetings, I said, hey, I need everybody in the library this afternoon. I fold it up, put their names on it, put it at the place. I said, all right, there's a piece of paper there. I want you to, you don't have to look at it now, but I want you to go to your room once we finish this this uh, this meeting out, and I want you to know what this is. So I, I laid it out, and explained to them. Dismiss. There's people already opening and right, of course. Yeah. People start crying. So two things happen. One thing is I expose that person. Okay, maybe not the best tactical route, but it absolutely was powerful. Mm-hmm. That kid, that person's like, I don't have anybody to name on. It's like, yeah, there's a reason why. But what it also did was the Jeremy Qualls's that were the Alex, the Nicks, those people that have been perceived as trouble kids, I had no idea that they put my name, put their name under mine. I have been dogging this kid. I've been wanting to try to get rid of him. I've got him in the corner. I have to move him. I'm not very nice to him. But for some reason, that kid really likes me. And it completely, inadvertently, not by design, that was not my intention going in, change the game for another uh, another way and the thing you were thinking was there's two or three there's two or three faculty members that if they knew what kids true perception about them was then then hopefully they would say to themselves i'm contributing to this in some way and i need to understand so i can be the teacher i need to be the crying didn't come from the fact that they didn't have any names the crying came from i had no idea that jeremy liked me this much interesting so I said, okay, so here's what we're going to do. When Jeremy's acting up on the hallway, guess who we're going to tap into? Yeah. We're not going to poke the bear. That was a big saying for us. Don't poke the bear. Take it to the teacher. That hey, they- Robin, he's under Robin. So we, we started referring to who, whose list is he on, and we all knew what that meant. Yeah. And if that means I'm an eighth grader and Mr. Maybear down in sixth grade is my guy, we all knew that if 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 – if there's a situation going on, it's a quick email in the morning. Hey, but the bear is stirring. I need help. That man, drop what you're doing. Go. I'm covering your class. Let's have a conversation. Then Fantastic. we return. So how it started, kids are commodities. I know more than them. I'm better than them. How it's going. Kids are necessary. Kids have insights where I don't, and we're better together. What you've – is that – did I that's, – that's, that's perfect, really. What, what these two episodes have been for me – is the dash that sits in between those two things. Yeah. And there were it's it's stories worth hearing and I'm sure there's a hundred more that are worth hearing too. Um, thank you for sharing them. And I think it's incredibly powerful and uh, and meaningful to me for my own kids 
Because if we did that same exercise in our house, I'm not sure my name would have. Um, would you would be crying. Show up. Yes, yeah. for, for the other not reasons. For the good reasons. So every now and then, when I have to prove my wife wrong, I was like, "Let's get this list out and let's see who everybody puts yeah, their exactly. name under." Okay, so the, we, we got to do this. It is the final way we honor all our guests. We ask them to pull out their phones to share with us one more insight into your deepest, the deepest parts of your vulnerable soul, and share with us. The top five songs on your playlist. <laughs> so I have I have multiple personalities when it comes to music, right? I mean, in the afternoons, late I evenings, it. I could have I literally have Broadway music on. But when I'm going into work, I'm 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 a different cat. So okay. I've got everything from nine inch nails to nice. audio slave to wow. Things, Nine Inch Nails is coming Rage to Against town, the by the way. No. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Franklin Amphitheater. Franklin. Oh, yeah. I don't want any piece of that. So my first song <laughs> is, like is off one of my top ten albums of all time, which is Hesitation Marks from Nine Inch Nails. It's copy of A. Copy of A. All right. So okay, that's one. what's going on. Here. Another one that goes with my personality <laughs> as we, we <laughs> is J.J. Gray and the Mofro on fire. Wow. Okay. On fire. That goes. That, that's that's got multiple meanings for me, right? Yeah. Um, okay. Well, I've got. Um, <laughs> we can walk through that. <laughs> I've got uh, Twenty One Pilots. My kids loved Twenty One Pilots. Oh yeah. So we've got uh, Stressed Out and Ride. Yeah, of Come back song. to me. Come back to me. Yes. And then I'm a huge Dave Matthews fan. Uh, so there we go. Now I'm feeling a little better. So I, I've seen better. Dave. Me and my wife have seen Dave forty plus times. So B&B. now I'm feeling better. There you go. What what Dave song? One Sweet World, of course. Of course. Live at Luther College. The well, one that started it all. Well, I, w- I will say this, my friend. Uh, you are certainly making One Sweet World right there in, in Williamson County. Yeah, at the, thank uh, you for the good work. At the EIC. And, and I- I'll leave it with this for our audience, for, for a great conversations with Jeremy Qualls. Number one, uh, more teachers, more educators, more administrators, more parents need to understand the focal point that he made, create an exit ramp for any kid. Mm-hmm. Number two, when the kid makes the statement, this is the only reason I come to school, focus on that. Number three, and for Alex and Nick and the Mountain Dew Extreme team and Robin and Tyler and John and Jeremy, we appreciate you being here today. I'm Colby Jubenville, and this is the Goat Consulting Podcast. Oh.